0: Hello and welcome to another episode, our second episode of Business Made Simple with our family. I'm your host, Tim Mansour and my co-host and wife,
1: Crystal Mansour. thanks once again for joining us here on Business Radio X, where we are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio. Like Tim said, welcome back to part two of our Business Roundtable episode with some very special family guests. Uh, We want to welcome once again Dr. Corey Mansour, uh, which is Tim's son. We want to welcome Abby Mansour, which is Tim's sister. And last but not least, Michael Mansour, which is Tim's brother.
0: So we're going to start off, and uh, I'm not going to talk as much as I did last time, so we can get some answers from our special guest today. I'm going to start, Abby, with you. Um, We've all been lucky in a lot of different ways. We've had our ups and downs like any family. I want to say that over and over. Nobody's going to be perfect in this world. You're always looking on the outside, looking in and think, gosh, these people are so lucky. Everything they touch turns to gold. Again, we've talked about that. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. It doesn't work like that. But anyway, what I wanted to ask you, Abby, is how do you give back for what, you know, you've received a lot of good things. You've been very lucky. How do you give back to the community or how does that work with you and your company?
2: We were taught to give back from daddy and mom. I mean, it started off with our um, elementary school and all the different things they would do for the high schools. And then it was um, St. Jude's. Dad, um, Daddy had St. Jude's for 16 years, I think. And, giving away the Tootsie right. Rolls.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, no, that was different, the Tootsie Rolls. St. Yeah. Jude's was for the hospital, St. Okay. Jude's Hospital. And um, that was in Griffin. In fact, um, I won the first scholarship ever given by St. Jude's. And That's it was because, cool. you know, I'd been working with Daddy a long time. but And then... When you guys moved to Rome, Dad went with Tootsie Road Drive okay. for the mentally handicapped. So I give back mostly, or a good bit of mine is through St. Jude's, because I just don't think there's a better charity in the world than St. Jude's. I um, give to the Salvation Army as well. But then I do some free work, like free seminars every once in a while. and um, Things have changed a lot in the way that we do work now that this— um, COVID-19 has come out and we've all had to be really flexible and um, so thinking out of the box has had everything to do with trying to keep businesses afloat and so some of that work I do for free, some of it I do, you know, for funds but one of the things I've recently been doing is designing a bakery for someone and it's called Garnet's Bakery and it's in Buckhead but I mean what a horrible time to start a bakery so you have to really get creative which is my favorite thing to think out of the box and and do things like drive-in testing and, and different types of things so I give back every way I know how to give back I know we did the heart association at one time
0: You never can do too much uh, for the community and for the people around you and actually taking care of people that work with you. So many people, uh, even in today when we do these houses, we have people that come over. I mean, we call them, they're there for us 24-7, and you just want to take care of them. And and little things like paying them on time or paying them early or doing things and letting them know they are are a part of your success. Uh, So I think that's great. Um, And talking about outside, thinking outside the box. Uh, any business that you're in, things are going to change, and that's the world. I mean, we're now doing podcasts, and when I was coming up, there was no such thing as a podcast. So you always have to look at thinking outside that box. Think of different things that are happening. Just because it works one way this year, it might not work the same the next. So never give up. Always just look for a different ways to make it happen. Michael, I want to get back to you with a about the partners. Um, that's a tough Tough job when you get when you did work with your partner. Now, do y'all have an agreement or something? How does that work? Because again, I look at partners what if something happens to him? What if something here? And legally, I just think that uh, as a partnership, you just have to have some type of coverage for each other. How does that work with you and your partner?
3: Well, we you know, I've been in business with a couple different people, and we'd have the written agreements to where something happened to me that. He would buy out my half and give it to my wife and the same with him and his wife and and that's kind of how we agree on it with carrie and and uh my, my business now and the the thing about partners like you said though is you go in business with people and you believe you know them but you don't know them until you really are in business with them and and you're dealing with money Because people change when it involves money. And so you have to really make sure that it's somebody you're comfortable with and somebody that you trust uh, before you go into a partnership with them.
0: Exactly. And what Michael's talking about, too, and I think I tell a lot of people about this, there's nothing wrong with a partner or partners. But the thing is, you want to make sure that that is the partner that you're going with. And what I mean by that is, as you go into it, we've said this on other episodes before, if you ever sit down with a partner and say, look, we don't have to write up anything. We trust each other. Uh, i want you to get up from that table and run out that door as quick as you can it has nothing to do with trust on that part what you're saying is what we're talking about today i don't know how many people are listening i hope thousands and thousands but anyway (laughs) each and every one of you hear things different and as we're going into business together and we're sitting there talking about it everyone hears it different and i want to have it on paper and i want to have it signed to protect both of us number one number two is another thing that is important is like Michael said, have a buyout clause, and you can buy insurance for things like that so that if somebody does pass, which you hope it doesn't happen, you're not, insu- you're not in business with a husband or a wife or a friend that they had that takes it over. So always have it where you have a buyout clause, and that can easily be done by insurance. Corey, I tell you, with you, of course, you went through school with another sharp guy, kind of reminds me of you. His name's Andy, a great doctor, and is actually his wife's a doctor too. She's amazing also. But I guess, how did it come to be? Because you've met so many people through your life in this in this medical field. How did you pick Andy? How did that work? So I
4: think over the years, um, especially when you're working um, long hours in the trenches, you, you see the low of everyone. And you quickly find out he would not want you know working with you or who you'd not want to get in business with, um, who wouldn't have your back at the drop of the hat. Um, and so i was lucky enough to like you said find um andy during my training um you know i i believe just finding the right fit and the right partner can can be wonderful but can also be a downfall um i think like you're saying it's very important to lay out the terms up front um you know my wife being an attorney she's <laughs> all about that she's 100 percent on, on it. that um <laughs> and you know just find someone with the same kind of core values um me being more analytical type, it is nice to have someone that is more of a driver and um, that can sort of complement um, our strengths, you know, complement each other and um, make you better than you would be, you know, just on your own. Uh, I, I just think, you know, him having the same values as me, um, you can see how he acts with his family, how important his friends are, and, you know, he, he is like family to me. And I think, think that's sort of what has led me to the partnership. Although, um, you know, you always are concerned that something will go wrong eventually, but so far everything has worked out greatly. That is terrific. Well, I think he
1: feels the same about you from Mm -hmm. us being around him and just uh, meeting him, him and his wife, Emily, both, and the kids. um, We've seen them several times. He seems to feel the exact same way about you. So it's not like a one-way street. It's a win-win for both of you, just in the friendship field or the medical field, and then now in business.
4: And, and I actually did, um, while we we're in training, I did the anesthesia for Emily um, for her C section at right. the birth of Cody. Um, so that was a very, very special. And moment that was for his me. wife. That's mm-hmm. unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That's well, the next thing I wanted to say is uh, we were going to talk a minute about startup cost. That's very important because we had written a book, and Abby was a big part of that, and, and Crystal, of course, of writing our book, Starting Business with Zero. And, uh, you know, a lot of people out there think, well, Somebody, you know, just start a business and they have money or something like that. Most of us that started businesses didn't have a lot. So I guess the question I'd have, and we're going to ask each and every one of you this, in the business that you're in now, what was the startup cost? Michael, and we'll kind of start up with you, which could be as little as none to whatever. But just uh, if somebody wanted to get into the buying the storage bins, do you have to have a lot of money? What is the best way, Michael, for that to happen?
3: I I think it's kind of like gambling because you're buying a unit, betting on it, having – uh, enough in there to pay for itself and in and, and, and gambling what daddy always told us is you only bet what you can afford to lose and, and I think that is so true in this business because if I go in and I overspend on a unit and I start losing, which is what I've seen a lot of people do. They want to get into it because they watch TV and they, oh, I want to do this. And they come and they just bid it up, bid it up, and bid it up. They don't last long. They're gone pretty quick. And, and so I'm always looking at the unit as I'm buying it because, as you know, like on TV, you get to look. You don't get to go in. You don't get to touch anything. But you get to look and you figure out pretty quickly what will sell and what you can get for it. And I try to base it on that. So I've spent five dollars on a unit and I've spent thousand dollars on it you know so it just mm-hmm. depends on what's in there and what I believe in there's certain things I look for that I, I don't want to bid on you know there's you know if it if it smells like cats I don't want to deal with it because it's harder <laughs> to sell if it smells like cigarette smoke I don't want to deal with it because it's harder to sell and so I have to know going in what I can do and what I can't do and what I can get out of it so the startup cost can be what you make it. You, you, like I said, you can start with very little and buy some and, and start doing that and build up. Or you can, you know, we, we've started doing estates now where people will call us and say, hey, my mom died and we want this stuff gone. Would you come and look at it and see what you're thinking? So we may go to an estate and, and really want it and spend a good bit of money, or we may go and say, hey, it's not a lot of money here but we'll clean it out for you you know we'll sell stuff and make a little bit so it's just different ways so there's not like a set amount obviously it's Which, just what you make it
1: well i think part of what's made you so successful is not only um your relationships that you've built in carrollton and, and through the south side of, of georgia but it's also your networking that you constantly are doing and it is amazing um the amount of vendors that you have built in what you do how many vendors exactly do you deal
3: with? Oh, I, I have no idea. We, we, we deal with a bunch of different people and we, right. you know, we, we know what certain people collect. And right. so people say, well, he bought that from you for $40 and he sold it for 80. That's great. I'm okay with that. He made money. I made money. So you don't get selfish. You don't right. get stingy. Exactly. You, you just move really. stuff. And, and it's kind of like Walmart moving as much as you can for a little bit less money. Right. And, and like Tim said, I'll meet somebody for five bucks or 10 bucks, and, and that builds relationships. It
1: definitely does. And
3: they know they can trust me. They know that if it doesn't work for some reason, I'm going to replace it and, and take care of it. And so that, that's the biggest part of it is those relationships.
0: Definitely. And that's what it's all about. And that's great. that So there's businesses out there that you can get where you're not going to borrow millions of dollars or, or $100,000 because going to banks, like I said before, you have to sell yourself to make it happen. You can start with zero but everything's about how you sell yourself and always put yourself in that position if you were given money what does it mean to you if somebody tells you they're going to work harder than somebody else it doesn't mean anything and i hear that every day it's what you're going to do and here's a b and c and it can happen there's people out there that will give you money will work with you but you just have to sell yourself Abby, in your business is there startup cost with you how does that work
2: well i've been lucky in that um the first thing I do is is contract out my jobs so i have a um a good network of people just like you couldn't do the flipping without your particular network exactly if I, if it's something i don't normally do like a huge floral wedding i'm not going to do that whole wedding so i have people to call that keeps my costs down because it's per job i hire per job which helps me tremendously but then i do have people i keep going to and they give me business and i give them business so I didn't have a huge startup cost. I mean, recently my husband bought a van for us, a big van, and uh, because I'm lugging things like Christmas trees and things, the only prerequisite I had was, I have to be able to stand up in the van. Well, I'm only 5'3", probably. And so that wasn't so bad, but having a van that you can stand up in helps tremendously getting things around and dragging things.
0: And I think that's important what you're saying, because I deal with a lot of people that are in business and I love going. I don't care what kind of business you're in. I love talking about it. Uh, I've got some friends of mine. that are in business and maybe they're not. Uh, they're doing the old fashioned way of stuff. Maybe the invoices, the way they do invoices or the mm-hmm. way I have one friend that has a truck or a car. I'm sorry. And he's pulling a trailer around. And I said, hey, why don't you look at maybe buying a truck, I know it costs money, but sometimes it'll save you money because you'll have everything in one place, Mm -hmm. or doing the invoices. Nowadays they have so many things on the internet, you can send your invoice out and it'll automatically send a notice to them if they hadn't paid at a certain time. You don't even know that. So you need to make changes as, as, as the world grows, you need to grow with it. But it's great that there's businesses out there that you just don't have to have a whole bunch of money to get it started.
2: You no, know, There's always something to do. It's That's just exactly thinking right. out of the box. I know that um, you are, Crystal, you are such an asset because if there's something you have to learn, you go learn it. And it's amazing to me sometimes to think that you learn because you do have much more patience like than I do. I, I could never sell insurance or be an attorney. I could do the arguing, but I couldn't do the, mm-hmm. the studying and the yeah. constant, you know. so it's all
0: about the people around you 100 percent. that's what makes us successful
1: well in business you know all businesses start with with something they have to start with some kind of capital some type of uh, upfront money Mm -hmm. whatever that you're kind of into and corey i have a question for you um as far as i know you've been doing the dental sedations for a while and when you talk about the medical field you know for a lot of people, their ears go up and they kind of say, wow, that's expensive. You know, that's gonna be costly. Um, and I know as you're kind of getting your practice going with with your partner, um, tell me why um well you decided into the anesthesia field i know that you did a lot when you were in medical school and in your residency which was something that i learned as we kind of went on this journey that you experienced a little bit in the mer- a little bit of everything in the medical field mm-hmm. how did you settle into anesthesiology
4: so it all started with dr Moller, as i <laughs> described earlier he's orthopedic surgeon so after shadowing him um, several months, I was like, oh, I'm 100% going to be an orthopedic surgeon. Um, I had no idea uh, that would change, you know. I, I got into medical school, and then you start doing rotations into different subspecialties. Every subspecialty I went into, I'm like, oh, no, now I want to do this. Now <laughs> right, I want to do this. Right. It just changed. Um, I, I remember one point I was in an orthopedic surgery on a um, a 12-year-old girl. Um, we were doing a complete spine case, so pretty much... <laughs> fusing her entire spine because she had horrible scoliosis. That was a a 12-and-a-half-hour surgery where I just stood there and retracted, didn't go to the restroom, didn't eat, didn't do anything. And at that time, I said, I love being in the operating room, but I also like, you know, getting lunch. So (laughs) I looked on the other side of the drapes. Um, And anesthesiologists, a lot of times you see um, them as the internal medicine doctor of the operating room. You see the patient before, you take care of their family during, and after the procedure so it just really um really touched base with me and just that's sort of what led me to anesthesia and anesthesia you can go into so many different things you can work in the icu you can do pain management you can deliver babies it's just it's a fantastic field and, and i haven't regretted it for a second
0: well if you don't mind corey a lot of people don't understand because i never even heard of thinking outside the box again what you do now with the, when you do in the dentistry. Um, of course, I didn't know the kids had to be put to sleep and they had that many things. Tell us a little bit about how that works because a lot of people don't understand it.
4: Absolutely. So there are um, many dentists, um, especially pediatric dentists, throughout the just even just the metro Atlanta area where we live. And many of these children, um, they don't have good dental care. Let's say they have a bottle in their mouth for you know when they're going to sleep and then just rots their teeth. So many of them need at you know, two years of age to three years of age and have to have crowns on 10 to 12 teeth, mm-hmm. um, which is very traumatic. It's a very long procedure, and they just wouldn't be able to sit there and let you work on their mouth. I don't know if you've ever tried to get a two-year-old to sit still for 45 minutes. It just doesn't happen. So what we do, we go in there and we offer um, anesthesia sedation services for these children. We speak with the parents, make sure they're comfortable. And we help them sleep through the procedure, sort of like a colonoscopy, where they're watching their blood pressure, their vitals, making sure they're breathing okay. And that really helps the parents um, sort of have an ease of mind, just knowing that someone is there watching them. You hear all these stories um, in the news where, oh, a kid died um, when the dentist was trying to do a procedure on his own. So it is really nice to be able to offer these services and, and help the kids and let them get through this, you know,
0: difficult time in their life. That's unreal. Last question for you, Corey. I wanted to just ask you financially to become a doctor and go to school for that 100 years. How does that work?
4: So, honestly, it all usually starts with loans. Um, obviously, if you're lucky enough, like I was lucky where my parents helped me as much as possible, um, which was great to help get through, you know, undergrad and the Hope Scholarship, things like that. If you um, go to, um, instead of going to private schools, go to a um other schools such as like I went to the University of Georgia Medical College of Georgia where the tuition is a little bit less but you still have great opportunities um, at the end of the day you're still a doctor just as anyone that went to Harvard or went to some of these very expensive schools uh, but you can get debt up to 200 300 400 thousand dollars and that it's almost like a mountain that you you're concerned that you'll never climb over so when you're coming out of school um, you're wondering okay should I just go get a job straight away or am I able to start my own practice and you know that, that gets um, very difficult decisions to try to start to make luckily there are some lenders um, that understand that you, know, you have student loans and are willing to lend to doctors and,
0: and help you out in those times I know that uh, a lot of your friends you got to be careful because you got to think about it as these doctors have been at school all their life so I know that once y'all graduate it seemed like there's a rush of people wanting to lend y'all money because they know you're going to make the money. And and I hate to say this, but some of the doctors make some crazy decisions. I mean, they're buying cars for thousands of dollars a a month and all because they think they can make that payment, which I understand, but uh, it's tough. So, you know, I'm glad you've done what you've done and, and made the decisions you have, but it's easy to get away from it. What I'd like to finish with is maybe go down and start with Michael on any suggestions he has to give to that next person that either wants to become a policeman, which I think is very important, and or get into the business of um, you know doing the storage bins, and we'll just kind of go through each one of y'all, and y'all just kind of tell us what y'all feel and want to leave with the people that are listening listening to us today.
3: Okay, so uh, like I said, I started policing many, many years ago, and, and it's definitely changed over the years. Uh, I still consider it a profession. I still consider it to be a very respectful profession Uh, I'm proud to be a cop always have been always will be Uh, we ask that people when they do consider being a police officer and and it's kind of like I tell my students I teach at West Georgia and I teach criminology classes and and I recruit those kids I recruit them into the field and I tell them guys it's time to start growing up you're juniors and seniors in college you need to start doing the right thing even more so you don't want to get caught you know shoplifting you don't want to get caught you know drinking underage you don't want to get a DUI because that's going to hurt you in this field and, and it's kind of funny to say this but I tell them you know one of the things we do is we talk about drug use and and if I look at you and say you know when's the last time you smoked pot and you look at your watch that's not a good sign <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I try to tell them it's time to grow up and, and to be an adult and so to stop doing that because you're not going to get a job uh, so I think a lot of what I tell people about being a cop is you've got to start living that life even before you become a cop. And and I've always believed that I represent that badge. And, and my biggest fear is that I'll lose that badge or I'll disappoint my family. And And that's always been my gut is that I'm going to do the right thing no matter what because I'm not going to embarrass my family uh and tim will tell you and abby will tell you you know daddy was big on the her name and and you protect our name no matter what and that's what i try to do uh in being a cop and that's what i tell people about being a cop well
1: you've definitely as, succeeded
3: as far as the the storage buildings you know, it's fun. It's just fun. And it's just cool. That's and your so downtime, right? That is. That's my way to relax. Right. I can spend hours in there looking through stuff and enjoying it and having a good time, finding something silly, finding something cool. Uh and and it's just something that if if I recommend, first of all, is go watch it like I did. Go, you know, be analytical as Corey is. And study it and understand what you're getting into before you get into it. And understand that, that you're gonna lose money sometimes. But it is fun and 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 so i tell them to come watch or ask questions like i did i pick people's brains at those auctions before i ever even bid because i wanted to know what they were looking for what they were thinking about before they made a bid
1: so do you have people that come shadow you oh yeah you i've that?
3: had several people that would come watch me and, and work with me and and see how i do it and, and ask questions so i've had a lot of folks that do that and i've had some that did it a little bit and then realized it wasn't for them because like Corey and Tim both said you got to hustle and and this job especially in the storage building is you got to hustle because you got to sell and and so I'm always looking for somebody that's looking for you know sports memorabilia or somebody that's looking for Coca-Cola stuff or something I mean, and once I learn those people I go back to those people
1: definitely that definitely is well like they say one person's junk is another person's treasure,
3: treasure that's no right.
0: doubt yeah Abby how about you
2: Why don't you repeat the questions? I got so involved in him, I'm thinking, now, wait a minute.
0: It's just information that you would want to give to that next person, you know, to to go into the field that you're in and actually try not Mm -hmm. to make the same mistakes that we have. You know, it just seems like it helps people out.
1: Yeah, because you were very successful in the um, pharmaceutical sales for many, many years. Do you ever have someone shadow you when you do, like, St. Jude's or, like, event planning or some of your
2: right decorating events when i started um when i was president of the cedar club one of the first things i did was start a mentoring program for each position that my officers had and that my people had because if something we are getting older and if something happens you got to have somebody know how to pick it up so that was you know really really important to me i think um when you're trying to decide if you need to go into a business you need to re-examine your talents and not you sometimes you can't do it for yourself someone else sees a job that you had maybe in banking that had you would think nothing to do with creativity and then you start pulling out their talents from their resume and you realize they could do this they could do this and um, it might be even researching you might have learned that you're a good networker or you're a good you know um analytical type person but if you can analyze your talents and then mentor people and have them and be mentored by people then you got it made i mean right now i think everybody it's kind of like everybody thinks they're a photographer everybody thinks they can design and everybody thinks they can do so and so well everybody can probably not to the same level so your job or my job is always to keep getting better and better and better i remember when you guys were doing uh flipping when you first started you would call me in to talk about colors and stuff well you don't need me anymore and that happened way too fast but i mean <laughs> crystal started taking care of all of it and i think at first it was just more of us um, learning what would sell right because you don't do your own taste and then when I got to flip the condominium, um, it was in a whole different level uh, area. And they were an artistic group, so I could do some really wild things and ended up selling that for 50,000 more than anybody else in the complex. So- It worked out uh, yeah. well. Yeah. You have well, always learn been what creative. you can do.
1: You've always been creative with trends and it's always been great because you've been able to pivot. Like in mm-hmm. today's times and in today's world, where it's it's it changing like almost like every second yeah so you've really been good and you've kind of taught me that is to be able to kind of be open-minded enough to be able to change as the trends change because lots of times we always talk about it it'll always come back around it does too
2: yeah okay and and then the other thing that we have as a family is we all know how to sell and we got that from daddy and mother actually and we all know how to teach and all of us have done it every one of us and um, I think that gives back whether people realize it or not teaching others gives back
0: 100% last but not least Cor we're going to leave it with you tell us what any information you could give to the next person that wants to become a doctor whatever type it may be
4: of course Um, sort of building on what Uncle Michael and Aunt Abby said I would just make sure whatever you do that you're passionate about it Um, if you don't love it if you're not sure that okay this is the only career for me then i'd recommend probably doing something else um it's a good idea to like they're saying shadow get as much perspective as possible obtain as much hands-on experience as you can and you really get to know like will i be happy at the end of the day or not because it doesn't matter if you're making millions and millions of dollars if you're not happy with what you're doing you know it just it won't be worth it so i I think that's the the biggest thing that's so true
2: add one thing um, one of the things we learned was you have to be willing to do everything. If you ask someone else yeah, to do it, you do it. it you've got to be willing to go do the trash cans right. and go do the toilets and do whatever cleaning or whatever work you have to do. And you were a great example of that, and my parents were, and I think you are, Michael. And so it, it makes all the difference in the world that your people respect you because you will do what you ask them to do as well
0: exactly remember they don't work for you they work with you and that's what makes mm-hmm. you successful i appreciate each and every one of you being here today of course i love you your family and i just think the world of you and just so proud of each and every one of you and i'm gonna let crystal finish it off
1: yes we hope you enjoyed our part two series of our business roundtable with our special family guest today please join us again for the next episode of business made simple you can also visit our website at www dot mansoor that's m-a-n-s-o-u-r international.com where you can learn more about us you can see and learn more about a book we mentioned that earlier a book that we wrote it is not impossible building a business from zero you can also ask a business question and catch up on all of our episodes of business made simple we look forward to talking to you again here on business made simple and until then Watch Watch what what you you wish wish for, for. it It might might come come true. true.